Modesto, Modesto, Modesto Reboot Podcast. Hello, Rebooters. This is Phasm, and you're listening to the Modesto Reboot Podcast. On today's episode, I am going to do an intro to myself and a little background on me and why I'm doing this podcast. So, I was born in 1976 um, in Doctors Hospital here in Modesto, California. Um, Grew up on the east uh, side of Modesto, kind of near Orangeburg and Lakewood. And born to uh, my parents who at the time did not have... um, did not have a lot of money. They, I wouldn't even consider them middle class, really. Um, that's probably debatable. But um, my dad was a shoe salesman around that time. And then um, a few years after I was born, uh, ended up getting a sales job in industrial equipment. And at that time, was able to buy a new-ish house. Um, that was in the uh, late 70s. Our house was a 70s house growing up. And um, yeah, so uh, it was in a cul-de-sac. Um, so I grew up with uh, living a court, court life. And there was tons of kids in the court, um, even in the next court over. Kids my age, we were riding BMX bikes all over town. Uh, just going and exploring. Uh, then after that, it was skateboards. We got into uh, skateboarding, and I remember as a as a, even as a child, I was always drawing and and into art. But then, like when skateboarding came came in to style, and everybody was doing skateboardings, we would have uh, launch ramps and stuff like that that we would stick stickers on and decorate. And I remember even then having um, kids who wanted to pay me to draw their favorite skateboard graphics on their grip tape on the top of their skateboards with paint pens and um, yeah so then um, as I got into high school um, went to Bayer High School first from Modesto Christian Middle School and when I went over there I knew absolutely no one and um, I would eat lunch alone and kind of went through that experience for a while and then I remember the first time I was in a class and looked over and somebody else was drawing instead of paying attention like I was and uh, became friends with him Um, and uh, that was Tony Sexton, and we he was getting into tagging, and so that you know he introduced me to that, and so that began my more rebellious period of my youth, and did lots of uh, tagging behind grocery stores and stickers on stop signs and and all that stuff, uh, yeah, um, and. Because I had always been drawing, I think once we started getting into doing more elaborate letters right away, I think I found something magical. Not only did I like working on a larger scale, 
but I think the way that I took my art skills and applied them to the spray paint, I think other people could tell like, okay, this is, you know, like I had something. And so I right away, um, started, um, painting with Lord's crew, which is a graffiti crew that originated in San Jose in 1986. And then, um, I joined Lord's crew in 1993 which was about the time where gangster rap was huge. Um, everybody wanted to be a gangster. It didn't matter if you were a white kid from the suburbs like me. You had this mentality that you were pretty hard, <laughs> which is ridiculous looking back on it. But that's just, that was the culture. And that was, you know, Boys in the Hood came out and these other um, colors and some of these other movies that glorified the, the gangster life. Um, after high school, I had a girlfriend that I ended up getting pregnant and that was a huge moment in my life. Um, just scary and, um, eye opening and it was just a big come to Jesus moment for me. Um, ended up waiting a while and then getting married and, had two more kids, um, so three kids total, and um, that later on, um, the last couple of years, uh, went through divorce, and um, yeah, so back to uh, the growing up, um, my first job was at Dairy Queen on, I think, Oakdale and Floyd, um, I, I lasted a month, <laughs> uh, I, I just hated customer service I'm an introvert so customer service is like pulling teeth for me um, I then went to Marshall's which still exists as well uh, up on uh, Stanford and McHenry um, lasted three months there in the uh, mostly in the shoe department uh, which is funny because my dad was a shoe salesman um, and then after that I went to Never Boring Sign Shop and I remember going in and meeting with David Boring and showing a, a photo album of graffiti pieces that I had done. And to my surprise, he was like, yeah, we can put you in the, put you to work in the sign shop. And, uh, and looking back, that's just hilarious that he would have taken that chance on me. Um, but uh, yeah, I worked in the sign shop with um, Phil Marillo was, was my, uh, my boss back then. And, he was kind of one of the first people that showed me computer graphics and also showed me a few kind of um, design principles because at that point I was an artist, but I didn't know any kind of design principles, any kind of um, uh, technical computer skills as far as art goes. And that was important for me to later on get a job at a uh, screen printing shop where I set up graphics, um, going into more graphic design jobs for in-house stuff. Um, later on, um, joining um, 511 Tactical in its early years. I think when I started at 511 Tactical, they were, they were doing something like 80 million a year in sales and um 
when I left, I worked there for six years. And um, in six years, when I left, they were doing 200 million a year in sales. Um, so rapid growth. I got to wear a lot of hats. I learned so much from Matt Frederick, who really design-wise um, kind of gave me a tall glass of calm the hell down. Design-wise, I think my my sense of design was just so urban, graffiti, bright colors. And his design sense was complete opposite. It was very like controlled and neutral and and fine details and simplistic and I think I needed to see that and to understand that side of design so that I could relate to um, you know in graphic design you're trying to um, communicate what the brand is and if you're designing with your style all the time you can't do that I mean you can add your flair to things but you can't really take someone's brand and throw your personality on top of it and expect it to represent the brand and push the brand and and all that um, tons of good friends at 511 Phil Baird Mark Redondo Amy Krause we would we were big into ping pong in those days so like every lunch period we would go out and there was um, most of the time there was two ping pong tables outside and we just did tournaments. We played doubles. Um, we got tons of other people that worked there and into ping pong and, um, man had a blast. It was good exercise too. Um, all the time I worked doing graphic design and these other jobs, I was always doing graffiti art on the side. I would do random mural jobs. And that was just kind of a natural progression of, you know, when I was younger, I would paint a friend's bedroom and they would pay for the paint. And then, you know, somebody else would want me to paint the side of their business and I would ask for a couple hundred dollars. And just this natural progression of doing things for cheap or free to slowly raising my prices and trying to work towards making it a career because that's what I wanted to do. Some of the more notable things that I've um, done with graffiti art and murals. Um, years ago, I did a video project with uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, which was put out on YouTube and had thousands and thousands of uh, views. I also did a 72 foot wide by eight foot tall mural and had it up on display in Facebook headquarters for a two day conference. Um, I've, I did a, some live painting at the Mercedes Superdome in New Orleans, um, in front of, I believe it was 25,000 high schoolers for a conference there. And I've been able to paint murals and graffiti in um, Australia, New Zealand, Guatemala, Canada, Mexico, and I believe somewhere around 15 U.S. states, including Hawaii. Um, so not, I mean, I'd, I'd love to get all 50 states. <laughs> This is Big Earl Matthews, and you're listening to the Modesto Reboot Podcast.
Yo, what's up, man? This is Joe, a.k.a. Perk's son, your favorite local funky DJ, and you're listening to Modesto Reboot Podcast. And now, back to Modesto Reboot. And then, after I worked for 511 in, I think this was 2012-ish, was about when I stopped working for 511. Um, I remember I was painting in San Francisco one day, and I was up on scaffolding and using brush and roller and spray paint and climbing up and down scaffolding, just using my my limbs and arms a lot. And I remember my arm was hurting, and um, I didn't think much of it. I just thought, hey, you know, it's like when you go to the gym and your legs hurt from the treadmill. You're like, well, I'm going to be sore the next few days, and then I'll be happy that I did it. But um, I remember driving home from San Francisco with so much pain in my right arm. And I was like, man, I, I've done something bad or something's bad has happened to my arm. And so that began kind of my, my journey with the, the pain in my right arm. And um, I tried everything, acupuncture, massage. Um, I can't remember all the things that I tried. Um CBD oil. I've, I mean, I've tried everything. I ended up getting um, surgery. And I remember the day of surgery, um, this cloud of gloom kind of like lifted. And I remember this could be the answer. I could, this pain could be over and I could go back to painting anytime I wanted and just, you know, go full board into mural art. And, um, you know, months after, after I healed up and all that stuff, um, it felt better for a while, but then I remember going back to, to painting murals and, you know, the pain coming back and, and really the surgery had done nothing and, um, dealt with a lot of, um, depression, uh, kind of the doom and gloom, woe is me type attitude. Um, it was rough. And I, I thought that, you know, that would be it. I wouldn't really be able to do art anymore. Um, and, and even then I was, um, I, I freelanced in the creative department at Gallo and I learned how to use the mouse with my left hand and, um, started typing with my, mostly with my left hand and, and just learning how to re relearn how to do stuff with my left hand um, but not so much the art stuff. I did, I did do, I did a mural once with all my left hand, but it was more of a natural, there were no like straight lines in this mural. So it, it lended well as like trees and a landscape type mural. Um, but I remember getting to a point where like, man, I'm not going to be able to do graffiti anymore. And that was my, I, so much of my identity. And I thought, well, I want to help. I want to do something in regards to graffiti and, and within regards to the Modesto area. And I thought, man, I want to encourage other people to, to go at it. Cause I had, you know, I had taken it for granted that I would always be able to paint and I still, you know, sometimes do. And I thought, man, I want to encourage other people to use I guess their arm while they still can and and their talents while they still can, because you just never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I thought, how, how can I get other graffiti artists and, um, you know, 
people that are into graffiti to like to get better and to get involved and to network and to start doing murals and maybe getting paid if that's what they want to do. And I thought one of those, uh, to me, the, the, the way to do that would be competition. And so I started the Phasm Creative Battle and it started very humbly in a, uh, in kind of a backyard back behind, uh, the Modesto Gospel Mission and we put up plywood or we had people help put up plywood um, on three walls of the, the fences in the back there. And we had a competition and we, it was, it was really fun. We threw, um, I think we had seven artists back then and we had them write their name on a piece of paper, throw it in a hat, mix it up, take a, take another name. You couldn't pick your own name. And they competed painting somebody else's name that was painting that day. And it was a lot of fun. And, um, then we did another competition where we did, um, I think the next one that we did was plants versus zombies. And I had a bunch of gray paint in a pile and a bunch of green paint in a pile. And there was two groups of, I believe four or five people. Um, one group came up from Los Angeles. That was uh, iron sharpens iron. And then the other group was ALB from, from this area and we flipped a coin in the morning to see who got plants and who got zombies. And they had that theme going throughout their graffiti letters and their backgrounds and stuff like that. And since then, just kind of like kept going with the battle concepts and switching it up. And um, yeah, I just think it's it's been a lot of fun. And it was, you know, it was a way to get people out and trying their hardest. I think that's what I like about the competition side of it is that it gets everybody to bring their a game. I mean, nobody wants to show up to a competition and just kind of do whatever. And, um, that's what I liked about it. Um, I've always had a love for downtown Modesto. Um, when I was a teenager, I used to hang out there and there was a whole culture and group of people that used to hang out down there. Um, but, but that aside, I think in any city, the downtown, I don't want to say should be the heart of the city, but in most downtowns, it naturally is because generally a downtown has the most history. So in America, um, being a younger country, our downtowns were the sediment places, whether they had a river running through it or railroad tracks or a port town or something like that. Um, that's where it all starts is, is what, what is now a downtown. And it's usually based on, I mean, you know, with Modesto, it's, you know, railroad tracks meets some rivers and that's a good stop in between San Francisco and something else or something like that. But if you think about, um, going to a historic place, whether it's the, the pyramids in Egypt or, Washington, D.C., you know, um, you go there because of its historic significance. And, um, and you, and you, it's, it's interesting to go to those places and think back to where it all started. And I think there's something to that in downtowns. And, um, I think that's, you know, a good thing for a city to have that kind of hub where everything is focused. And not that, everything has to happen there 
But if I think if there's a healthy downtown, um, you generally have a healthy city. I mean, it's kind of like this place where everything kind of epicenters or, or whatever. Um, so to me, I mean, just our downtown is, has always been the little downtown that could, it's gone through, um, way before my time, it was a hustling, bustling downtown. And then, like I said, when I was a teenager, I used to hang out down downtown there. I remember there was, a a mural on J street of this killer whale. And I remember looking at it as a teenager going like, man, that's super rad. I would love to do something like that one day. And, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, now I've done stuff much larger than that and, um, probably way cooler if I don't, (laughs) not to toot my own horn, but, uh, yeah. Um, I've also always had this kind of like love hate with Modesto. I think the more I travel, um, even before I, I traveled much, I think there were things about Modesto, which I always wondered, why is this like this? Why, why does everybody accept this as normal? Um, and then especially after traveling, I think seeing other cultures and other, cities and towns do a better job at certain aspects. I would come back to Modesto and be super frustrated. And it's like, why can't you guys see this? Why can't you see that this doesn't have to be this way? Um, Or if somebody would just put a little effort in over here, you know, everything would be so much cooler. Um, So that was, that's kind of my hate side of Modesto. Um, Obviously, I love Modesto because I'm I'm born and raised here, and my family's from here. Um, and I definitely have the mindset of if my town sucks on any level, it's kind of my fault, and I'm gonna I'm responsible to make my city as cool as I want it to be. And so, um, you know, obviously, I don't live that out every day, but I do I do try and make, um, changes in my city that I would like to see. And I, I'm definitely kind of narrow-minded as far as like, I see visual arts. That's my big thing. I I see murals everywhere, everywhere I go. I, I mean, I, I see beige walls everywhere and I imagine what murals could be on them and there's endless possibilities and endless opportunities for young artists to express themselves and, I see such a giant fear of young artists making mistakes, but everybody makes mistakes. And I think, um, that's how you progress. And I don't know. I just see beige walls as a big, shameful, horrific thing in society that somehow beige walls are so safe and comfortable. And if we just kept them beige, that life would, appear to be great and safe and I just see those beige walls as opportunities for artists to express themselves and and bring interest and appeal uh to a city um but enough on that I'll I'll leave that alone because it you know there's a lot more areas that um need TLC in Modesto and there's a lot of other areas that are doing great in Modesto for the reasons that I came up with this podcast is that um, I'd like to see those 
other people and, and hear about their stories. And, um, I've always loved networking. I've always loved meeting people who did something and knew maybe another person or two or three other people that did something that related to that and saying, Oh, you need to get together with so-and-so because they're doing something similar or you and them together could accomplish, you know, something. Um, so I've loved networking, but again, I've always been an introvert. And so I don't, I don't love parties. I don't love big gatherings. I tend to try to focus on three conversations at once and then just end up with a headache. And, um, I don't know if I'm ADD or something. I mean, like I'm sure I something, but, um, but I love networking. I love meeting people and hearing about what they do and, um, yeah. And I, and I just, I, I end up knowing a lot of interesting people, um, from here in Modesto and even in the later years, um, outside of Modesto and getting their outside perspective on Modesto to me is super interesting because again, they came from a different society where other things were normal growing up. Your normal is your normal. And you just kind of, we all tend to accept certain things, until we decide to what I would call reboot. And that's where this podcast comes in and getting someone else's perspective, whether it's from Modesto or outside about Modesto and saying the things that you're interested in, there's things in that area that you've accepted as normal, but does it have to be normal? And is there an area where you could reboot that and go back to the drawing board um, and rewrite the script on what it should be. And again, I don't know what that is for me. It's visual arts. Um, that's just where my focus is and, and what I love to do and, and think about. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to interviewing tons of people and getting their perspective on what about Modesto could be rebooted and improved and made amazing. So with that, Thank you for listening and look forward to uh, sharing all these people's stories with you. Thanks. Follow us on Instagram at Modesto Reboot, as well as Facebook. Look for the group Modesto Reboot. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.